Hey guys, what's going on? It's Jeff. A quick note before the show begins. The audio from these podcasts mostly come from live video YouTube streams on my channel. They may vary in quality from show to show and reference visual content not described to you, the listener. I'm sorry about that. If you prefer video to go with this audio, head over to youtube.com backslash from us, F-R-U-M-E-S-S for the whole enchilada. Who doesn't like a whole enchilada anyway? Hello, and welcome back to another episode of Sinful Celluloid. We are back again, baby. It feels like it's been forever. It It really, It really, really has. And I'm so used to talking to you like every week that it's weird when we don't. (laughs) And... Chris and I have never met in person. (laughs) Right? Well, there's this thing called the phone. Yeah. So you could use that to hear my voice. I could. I could. If I ever, if I ever need to. So what, wait, hold on. Um, Is that the, what what am I seeing behind you? Is that a, there's a. The swords? What? swords? I don't know. Well, what do I, oh. You see that their uh, YouTube subscription award thingies. Oh, they actually put money in it. Yo, holy shit! How did how did you get one of those? Oh, I know how you got one of those. Yeah, that's awesome. Congratulations, that's great, dude. Yeah, it's like a hundred thousand subscribers here. Have a hell yeah! Is it? It's what is it made out of? Is it like uh, um? uh, It's like. It's like maybe lead or something. I mean, it's they put some money to it. It's not cheap. I always thought when I see them on people's channels that yeah. they're like plastic or something, a real thin. It's it's thick. Could you could you murder someone with it if you wanted to? Uh, yeah. One Ooh. sec. Like yes, Hitchco- you could actually Hitchcockian style, like like ashtray over the dome. <laughs> oh wow, it's like a tablet. Yeah. No, it's. Yo, look at that. It's mirrored. Ooh. Yeah, th- it's actually it's I was like, oh, all right. This is this is what they spend all the money that they take from you. This is what yeah. goes. You better believe it does. <laughs> no, that's really cool, man. Congratulations. It looks beautiful. So, shiny. I know. Shiny, like, pretty. UPS brings it, not regular mail. Dude. I just know that that's coming out of people's earnings. <laughs> probably, like, probably. Well, I mean, like YouTube, literally, YouTube is Google, and Google is like, it's like all the money in the world. So, you know, it's like the what someday when when um, when we reach the singularity, whether you believe that or not, what when we reach the singularity, which is when like man and machine are supposed to combine, like or become one or something, like you know, like cybernetically um uh-huh. that i think like google will probably be the, the foundation of artificial intelligence or or maybe siri and and google will have a baby and that will be skynet and that that will be the, the big yeah that'll be the big a ai what's going on room morgue we got Rue Morgan in the house. Um, I see him. What's happening, I, bud? Listen, Rue, this is very important. If you have not seen uh, The Last Duel, please be aware we're about to spoil the crap out of this movie. It's a really great movie. Unless you don't care about spoilers, I just want to let you know that that is what we are going to be discussing uh, no, tonight. Nobody saw this movie. Everybody should have seen this movie. It did horrible... Ridley Scott was furious about it. In uh, he was he was throwing some shade at all the Marvel stuff. Those aren't real movies. I I will say this: I do love that Marvel stuff for sure. But I got to tell you, Ridley Scott he wasn't just like being jealous over nothing. He made some friggin' movie, dude. He oh, made. I get it. I mean, it's like well, you know, it's like Martin Scorsese, same thing, saying you know, right. that's not cinema. And I get it. I mean, I. I like their Marvel movies, but they're like watching cartoons. They're not. It's a different know, I mean, medium. It's a different medium. It's it's completely. it's. Listen, it's movies. It's film. It's cinema. Whatever you want to call it, but it's not. It's there. It, you know, look. The, people make people make the crappiest crap that comes out on straight to video, and then you have stuff like you have epics like what Ridley Scott does, 
all of it falls under films. It's just different types of stuff. You know, it's different. That's where we differ, though, because you know me with that low budget crap. I don't consider it film. I consider it garbage. Marvel yes, stuff that, I like. That candy. is where we differ, uh, yeah. and, and that is a hill. That is a hill that I will draw my broadsword upon and it's, fight thee it's until, because, until it runs it's crimson. You, you make those. That's why. Yeah. Well, that's all I can. <laughs> you do. know who I mean, just joined you on that hill. <laughs> Stop. I'm not gonna say who, but I'm just saying it. It. <laughs> we're cut from the we are we are cut from the same cloth. <laughs> yeah, does that help you sleep at night? <laughs> this is the best comparison ever. It's so good. I love this movie. That's so it's so hilarious. brilliant. Um, but yeah, but okay. like. <laughs> but in, in, all ser- in, in all seriousness, though, like I, I had the la- the last duel was kind of on my radar. I didn't get a chance to see it in the theater. It's definitely a film that needs to be seen in uh, a big dark movie theater. There are just those movies that you just want to. Um, you, it's like you know. Tell me if you agree with this, Chris. You ever really go not. into you ever you ever go into a movie theater like a deep dark movie theater. And it's like you forget that you are like a person and you're like so swept up and absorbed in what you are watching. You just forget that you are like a human and that you exist and like you were just literally immersed in the film that you were seeing. Has that ever happened to you? I think so, actually. Like, like, you know what? You know what? I kind of the reason why I bring that up and why I I like lead the question with so many adjectives like that is because. Mm -hmm. I feel like sometimes going to the movies can be like a sensory deprivation tank. Like it's like you go in there and you're like disembodied from everything in the world, everything. And you just solely focused on the story that you're watching. And I, I feel like the last duel is one of those films. If you lucky enough to have seen it in the theater, Uh, if you, you know, everybody went to go see the new Spider-Man movie and movies like Nightmare Alley and The Last Duel got just killed at the box office. And, you know, it kind of makes you wonder why on earth I could understand The Last Duel. It's like supposed to be like a Christmas type movie, like, you know, uh, Oscar, Oscar bait Christmas, Christmas. slate. Yeah. Um, but considering that Spider-Man was coming out and considering the pandemic, you would imagine that the studios would have been like, let's put this in January uh, when it doesn't have to compete with anything big. Well, the the rule of thumb is always it's counter-programming. It's not Spider-Man. It's something completely different. Hmm. But they should know by now that Spider-Man was going to eat everything in sight. Maybe oh they were God. feeling confident because Eternals is, you know, that bomb because it's crap. Shang-Chi, you know, some people care, half the audience doesn't. Right. So they maybe they felt like, well, I think we'll be okay. And then Spider-Man came out like Batman Begins did back in 2005 and just ate everything. Yeah, that was, oh, talk about a big, big splash that made. Yeah. Um, I I mean, that killed Serenity. Serenity came out, what, September? Yeah. (laughs) Batman was still eating everything. I didn't even know Serenity made it to movie theaters. I thought it was like straight to video or something. Oh, shoot. I saw it in the theater. I think it had a really limited run to begin with. So I wasn't even, I I didn't even realize that. It just, it just got killed right off the bat. It it opened pretty good. It just got killed. Um, So, so this film is two and a half hours long. Um, but I'll tell you typical. Yeah. But I'll tell you something, a, you need about two and a half hours to tell a story like this. B when it comes to a move, like a prestige picture from Ridley Scott, like it doesn't matter the length, you're just going to go and you're going to watch it. And, you know, it's interesting. And I was talking about this with someone else as well, how it's effortless for people to binge watch especially if it's half hour episodes, they'll been watch 10 half hour episodes in a single day or even like one hour uh, episodes. But like to go see a movie that's three hours is like unacceptable. Like like, I would never do that. It's the semantics that your brain plays with you. It's like everybody complaining like, Oh my God, the Irishman is so long. 
but you'll sit there and you'll watch a full season of something. You know, you'll throw right. down ten episodes in ten hours. Yeah, and you're it, good with it. <laughs> right, and and I love listen. I love doing both, but mm-hmm. I just find it interesting how like commercially, even like a studio will be like, we can't make that picture three hours long. Who's gonna sit for three hours? It's like, dude, we live in an age yeah. now. Where, yeah, everything's serialized. Everybody at home, you know. Yeah, everybody so. at home watching stuff is watching. If they're watching a series, they're not watching one. Running lights should matter in that way now because of that. Like, I feel like if you're not do, especially if your film is not like a theatrical release anymore. Like, so many yeah. films go straight to like streaming. So why? Who cares about running time, especially in the age of serialized drama? It just doesn't matter. No, you know? I agree with you there. I mean, um, if it's going if it's going theatrical box office, I get it because the longer it is, the less screens you're going right, to have. Right, right. There's actually some real science behind or There's yeah. some real mechanics behind that. It makes sense for a business. Perspective. But yeah, if it's going for streaming, absolutely. I mean, tell your story the way you want to tell it. Right, right. Um, this So this film is written. I didn't realize this until after I had watched it. I even messaged you. I said... Um, I said that Ben Affleck was miscast and I still feel that way, but I understand why, I mean, it was a Ben Affleck, Matt Damon screenplay, which I had mm-hmm. no idea. Uh, and I got to tell you, I mean, those guys know how to write a movie. I mean, they just knocked it out of the park. Um, I, I, before There's we even dive in, did you, you, you overall, you liked the movie? It's it's well, it's really Scott. It's beautiful. Yeah. There's nothing not to like, you know. I feel it, like that ticks all your boxes with all the stuff you like and all the you know sword play and all that jazz and just, you know you know it's bloody, it's ugly, yeah. It's, yeah. You know, and I wouldn't say that Ben Affleck is miscast. I would say that Ben Affleck constantly gets a bad rap because of young Ben Affleck. But yeah. you watch like You're, Hollywood Land forward Ben Affleck is a different Touché. person, you know. Touche. Uh he's great in Argo. You know what it is? I'll tell you yeah. what it is. My I, favorite, I, actually. Um uh I'll tell you what it is. I felt a little bit in this performance, just a little bit, I could really feel the Ben Affleck shining through Pierre, who he plays this. He plays a lord named Pierre. But I could like there were there are moments where I wasn't seeing Pierre, and I'll tell you something else. And I don't know if this bothers you. This kind of bothers me a little bit because when you're doing something that's either a true story or historically accurate, and I know what you're going to say. You're always you're going to go, well, Jeff, you know that's business, and you gotta you know do the um, uh, uh, you gotta do something that appeals to everybody. Blah 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 blah. blah. We already know that's your stock answer, but I'm going to say this anyway. It, it, it bothers me that they're not using at least a French accent. Like, they're supposed to be French, but they're speaking with this, like, British sort of swagger to their voices. And I know why they're doing that, but it just it why? does pull me – it just pulls me out a little bit. Because it's just like – I feel like there needs to be some additional sort of Parisian, French um, – sort of inflection on their voice because I've seen so many French new wave films and just French films in general where, you know, the accent is so prevalent. So to think that the film is so, and it's not one of those movies where it's just like in medieval times and it's just sort of like set like, Oh, it's in Italy, but like whatever it's like France is a huge character in this film. Like France is such a presence they're always talking about going to Paris. Like it's there's so much. The names are French. It's so French in its Frenchiness that to hear them speak, they talk about how the how without the any kind are, of an accent. Yeah, the British are their enemies, but yet they have these like sort of British. It's not British. I don't know how to describe it. It's like this weird sort of English speaking. It's it's like antiquated in like an, it's an antiquated inflection mm. to show that they're sort of doing something historic. I don't know. No, you. So, I'm very big on the fact that, you know, like Pierre should have some sort of an accent, a French accent, not an English. Yeah. No, I oh, so you agree with that. that. Okay. Yeah. yeah. My problem, just to touch on that since you brought it up, mm-hmm. um, not, it's not even, I don't think I have a problem. It's just a realization that, yeah. I mean, this is a very period piece. You know what I mean? This is steeped. Oh yeah, in, in what it's supposed accuracy. to accuracy. So in accuracy, I have, no, yeah. I have no issue there. What I've realized though, in with modern cinema, 
our modern base cinema yeah. is Americans do not like to see their American stars with accents. Harrison yeah. Ford's major bombs have been him with an accent. Oh, look at I got a Russian accent. Um, Wait, what did he have? A, what do you have a Russian accent? K nineteen Widowmaker. Oh, I never saw it. Okay, that's wow. you know. Um, our was it Brad Pitt with the Irish accent? I think in oh, his own. He, he did a, and he also did, um, uh, he did like a, a Romanian accent in Snatch, and he did a great job with that. Well, that, that was a way to transcend it all because, you know, yeah. it, the style of it, the style of Guy Ritchie is, it's a different deal. Yeah. But regular movie like Devil Hook, people don't buy it. Will yeah. Smith's major, well, he's had a few now that he's gotten older, but he throws that little Kenyan African accent at what happened. Nobody goes. What, what people was, do not what want to see. That? What um, that? Well, After Earth, he had his little Kenyan accent. I never concussion. saw After Earth. Oh, really? Because it sucked. Nobody wants yeah. to see a stupid kid. Um, concussion. He had an accent. It's What's going on, American. Amy? Hey, Amy. Oh my God! It seems like forever. Um, Amy says Adam Driver. After this and his few other roles where he played villains, were probably become the greatest actor to play villains. He was able to bring such negative emotions towards his characters. He's He is stupendous in this film. It's the ex-military in him. And thank you for saying, Amy. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's... He's he's always good. He's... I never thought I would like him because I was introduced to him on Girls, which Me I knew most everybody on that hated. Show. I hated Girls with such a passion and watched... But he was, he was fun. Yeah, but he you know what's funny? Like... Like, why did we, like, Chris, why did we watch Girls despite hating it? Like, it's just well, because I, I don't really was watch, like, oh, like you should... I only watched three or four episodes, but the ones I caught were with him, like, really shining. And it was fun. Like, his whole, I really um, I do not girl. like Lena, Lena, whatever her face is. Oh, I can't, I can't, really I can't, her, I can't yeah. stand her and wait for her to walk in front of a bus. She's I don't like her. I don't but, like her. But, um, it's funny because one of the ones I saw was when, I think it was near the end where he's his girlfriend has a baby and he's taking care of the baby and she's freaking out. She's like, will you please help me? And he looks at her. He's like, why do you need more help than a baby? Like real deadpan. And he yeah. just ignores her. And it's just like, I like that guy. I, you know, <laughs> I, I, I didn't even know he had a baby on the show. I watched the first two seasons and because everybody was like, yeah, this is a really good show. So I'm watching it. And you know what happened one day? I just, realization i was like why am i watching this it's not i'm not enjoying it it, it feels like a chore and and i and i can't stand the lead the crea- uh the, the lena character so i just stopped i was like i'm gonna turn this off i just there's no you reason to watch you weren't this. reviewing it or anything no no you no, just, no no you no. just got I, into that cycle I, huh like oh it's thursday i have to watch girls i mean yeah it was like because it was like hbo you know it was part of the hbo like premium prestige lineup of programming and like oh yeah like i'll watch this and you know i mean i don't know why i just don't know why i did it in any case yes adam driver was great the the cast is great i even though ben affleck is a little ben affleck-y for my taste he is great. I loved Ben Affleck scenes. I enjoyed him as Pierre. I enjoyed it despite my my machinations about the casting and stuff. The script was excellent. The, 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 I mean, what really shines, two things that shine in this film more than anything else is A, the, the, the script and the structuring of the script. And B, you could tell that they put, they, they went to such detail in so many different aspects of the life and culture of that time period, specifically in a lot. And I know you probably watch way more than I do of like, you know, um, sword, sword stuff. The, I did recognize that in all the battle scenes, the swords, they're doing that technique that they really used to do back in the day where you hold the sword like that, you know, um, you know what I'm talking about, right, Chris? I don't know what this is, but like, that's how people really did hold swords. But in Hollywood, you never see them. They never do that because it doesn't look as cool or as cinematic. But that's like how people really did fight back in the day. So you could tell that Ridley, yeah. they really put a lot into this. Well, he's and, a stickler and, for that. And it makes a difference. It, it I, I respect it, it so much. It's something that your brain reads is different, even if you don't know why. But you're like, huh. And if the movie's good enough and it's selling you on it, you're like, 
that movie's real. But yeah. you don't know why you're saying that, but you feel it. Now, what's so. interesting about this film is the first thing that comes to my mind when I watch it is Rashomon. What well, is yeah, Rashomon? Jack style. Rashomon is looking at a looking at a story, and usually within film, because it was you know there was a story that was called Rashomon, a film. But Akira, um, Akira Kurosawa film from the mm-hmm. from the fifties. It's his most famous film, and it's yeah. It's about three perspectives. Yeah. Everybody is telling a different version of the story. They're telling their version of the story. And it's usually left very ambiguous, which is perfect, I think, for this story. Right. Especially a story like this. Yeah. Because it is always perspective. Right. Almost always perspective. And and that's why I I have to say, again, I have to applaud Ridley Scott, Matt Damon, and Ben Affleck for trying for finding something in the past that connects so well contemporarily, like connects to a contemporary issue of what is very much at the, like pu- the public consciousness uh, right now. And just really, but applying it from um, this historic perspective when women uh, just really had a shit end of a stick even more. Oh, absolutely. I mean, absolutely. it just not a, not a, it was not a good time to be a woman in history at that po- point in time with with what uh, they had to put up with and deal with. And what was interesting was seeing not only – here's the thing. They broke it up. The filmmaking and the script break it up in this kind of way. We're essentially going through the same events, but we're, we're never shown the exact event from the same perspective – or right. the exact same scene. So it's not like seeing the same scene from three different angles. They show us, they they use somebody else's perspective to tell a, a, a bit of the story. And then they use somebody else's perspective to fill in other parts of the story. And you're able to sort of piece together um, everything. And it's just so interesting, the D, de- like, like nothing is explained. Like they do not hold your hand. They're not, it's none of this, like it's none of this, like star Wars, the force awakens, uh, Harrison Ford and Carrie Fisher, like literally talking to the audience and filling us in on 30 years of Luke and Leia's, uh, I mean, uh, Han and Leia's backstory as to why they broke up. It is like, it is like get with the program and just follow what is happening because everything they're showing to you is visual. It's, pure visual storytelling you know um no absolutely so it 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 kind of just it, it it goes through these different pers- here's basically basically this is what happens there are two friends these two lords and there's this guy pierre he's he's the lord of everybody and then there's the king of france and one guy becomes the favorite of pierre and as a result he gets special treatment yada 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 and this dude, that, that's the character of Adam Driver. Adam Driver, um, he he starts to, uh, he basically starts getting really thirsty for the rival, his rival's wife, which is played by Matt Damon. It's Matt Damon's uh, wife in the movie. Um, and he rapes her. He, he, ta- he has his way with her, I mean. And, um, and it's, it's ugly from all perspectives, but when you reach the three different perspectives are Matt Damon's perspective, Adam Driver's perspective, and what is the name of the actress? Um, geez, I'm going to look this Comer, up. Comer, I keep forgetting because I've never seen her before. I'm, I'm going to look this up just so I, I'm saying her by her name. But what's interesting is we see everybody is everybody acts in such a different light from their different perspectives. And like then when you reach the third perspective – her perspective, like there's no good guy or bad guy. In Matt Damon's perspective, Matt, um, it's Adam Driver who is the the, the bad guy. In Adam Driver's right. perspective, Matt Damon is the bad guy. In her perspective, in the wife's perspective, they both suck. They're both like the worst pieces of shit ever. Um, but let me let me let me counter. Yes, because. He's the hero in his. He's the hero in his. She's the hero in hers. And that's the thing about Rashomon. 
is nobody's necessarily right. We don't know. And we're never going to know. You have to make that choice for yourself. Uh, right. Telling the truth. Because, well, you know, the whole thing, where's the truth between two stories? You know, it's basically it's what's in the middle. Right. But what I thought, but see, this is why I found what her her objective perspective of Adam Driver and Matt Damon felt the most authentic to me because her husband, it was the way that her husband sort of like, first of all, he makes it all about him. Like she's yeah. the one that got assaulted and he's like treating her like garbage. She's the one that just went through this horrible situation. And he's like, are you sure? You better be fucking sure. Cause if you're not sure it's, it's going to look bad on me. Like completely not like, hey, are you okay? You just got, you know, you know, you just right. had this thing happen to you. Um, and the fact that even that he goes to the court, because you know what ends up happening is, you know, there's all this a lot of stuff that was that I found really interesting. By the way, this is Marguerite. Her name is Marguerite, and her name is Jody Comer. And Marguerite, yeah, Mar Marguerite, there's John and there's Jacques. Jacques is Adam Driver. Jean is Matt Damon, and Marguerite is. Uh, Jody Comer. The, the, what's interesting is Matt Damon takes the issue to the courts. And, you know, that's when like the king decides. And that was also fascinating to sort of see, um, to see all the bureaucracy and how things worked on a legal level, because you, in general, we're always led to believe that, you know, the king is the king and the king rules over all. And that's it. The king makes all decisions. However, in this situation, you have you have um, Matt Damon suing Adam Driver and Ben Affleck, and then like having to like there's all these like petitions, and then the petition gets overridden, so you have to go over here to do this thing. Um, and when it's time to when he when he brings about the charges of assault, you know, whatever, not assault, the uh, the you know the rape, the thing that happens um, to the king. He, it's not just the king. He has to go before this whole court. And then there's the clergy court. So the thing is, Adam Driver, he's sort of like also a clergy member. He's They're both squires. Um, Chris, are you familiar with the squire? Like, what exactly were they? I didn't understand that. They were like soldiers? Squires, were, squires were like the low-end soldier. Your main job. <laughs> squires were the PAs. Gotcha. Of okay. That whole system. Your job was kind of you were a soldier, but not really. You were more like we need somebody to go do something stupid. You go do that, but also you are like a knight in training. It doesn't yeah. mean you were ever going to get knighted, but that was kind of what you were going for. So think of it like a prospect in a biker club. And you're right. One of your main jobs is to you are to serve. Whoever, whatever night you're assigned to, and pretty much anybody else above you who calls upon you, hey, stupid, come here, you know. But that was your job. Is your knight sword? Is it? Wait a minute. So they were squires. They were squires to actual knights when they said they were called themselves squires. I thought. I thought like because I always think of a squire as a squire's the assistant of the knight. Yeah. So they would have had to be in service to, depending on one. Depending on the time in history, it is because yeah. things change. And the part, you know, we're dealing with France, so I don't know. They might have had it a little bit differently than we're used to with England. But right. bottom line is, they are not knights. They're pretty much, you know, they're the go get coffee and fucking donuts guys. They're PAs. You need to make sure that knights, who are our valued and respected representatives of the court, have what they need. Is their sword ready? Is you know, it there? Is they were, horse bed? So who was? But they they were in service to Pierre, and Pierre was like a lord. He was like a he wasn't a knight per se. So I didn't understand. That's why I was confused as to why they were called squires. That's yeah. why we're going to have to to look up because again, different parts of Europe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Practices. I have a feeling it's not time. quite. Yeah, it's not quite that kind of squire. It's some something along those lines. In any case, they're both they both have this job because they like fight. Like they go out and they like lead armies and fight despite being squires. Like and then at one point, Matt Damon does become a knight. Yep. He gets when he goes up to Scotland, they're on this campaign. 
he gets crowned tonight and he totally screws up the campaign. But he comes back to report to Ben Affleck, who's hanging out with, by the way, the relationship between Adam Driver and Ben Affleck, like they're best friends. Like they do everything together. They, they, you know, they, they, they bang, they bang all these, these girls together and they uh, get drunk and they read uh, Latin and Ben Affleck really respects Adam Driver because he can read and, you know, people were illiterate back then. So the fact that like you, if you come from nothing, but you can read, it really says something about you. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, Go ahead, go ahead. No, no, you go ahead, please. I was just going to say that that's part of the thing of which... If you're intelligent, you need to consider as well. Now, we look at her and what she went through, right? So that's that's one version of the story, and we can take it as truth. Um, But I always say... And I know I've said this to you. You need to understand why people do the things they do. It doesn't excuse it, but understand why. Like, okay, Buddy's a psychopath. We know that, but why? And then you look at the whole upbringing with his mom, his sister, all that stuff. You know how he got to be who he is. Doesn't make it okay, but no. And what what you're doing with this film is you need to look at Matt Damon, right? And he does a lot of shitty things and a lot of like... Well, he's um, just a man. He's literally... Matt Damon is a man of that time. Like, he's 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 a man of honor. Yeah, but he's like a man of kind of of honor, even though he like fucks up. But like, you know, everything that he does, like the duel and all that stuff, he does for honor. And he thinks he's always fighting for right, even though he treats his wife like garbage. You know what I mean? that's that's what I'm that's what I'm uh, wanting to explain though is also yeah and yeah none of that's excusable but look at he gets screwed over on the whole land deal he gets yeah. screwed I mean everywhere he goes he keeps getting fucked that weighs on you all of that weighs on you so he's carrying all of that shit with his, his desire so is for respect he wants no. respect and he can't get it no matter yeah. what he does he gets bit in the ass. Right. And so it really, it, it gets boiled that. up. It, it gets boiled down to like one of my favorite scenes in the whole movie is when Matt Damon, um, he comes to report back to Jean and he goes, hey, Jean, um, he goes, Jean, I, I messed up, but I became a knight. And everybody's like, hooray, you're a knight, you're a knight. And when he's getting knighted, everybody's hooraying for everybody who becomes a knight. When it's his turn to get knighted, everybody's talking, and he's like, shut up! I'm about to become a knight! And then he gets knighted, and nobody cheers for him. So he comes back. He's in uh, Ben Affleck's hall, hall thing, right? Um, right. And, and Adam Driver is talking to him, like his, because Adam Driver, they're friends, even though they've had, they've had increasing falling outs because of Pierre. Pierre, who's really annoyed with, with Matt Damon, because, you know, Matt Damon is like, you know, ignored orders and stuff. Um, like, he uh, he's always favored over Matt Damon. So they're in the hall. And Adam Driver several times calls him Gene or a soldier. And finally, Matt Damon's like, that's twice now you have not referred to me as sir. I am a knight and you will refer to me as sir. You are not a knight. And what's interesting is... Even though he has the title, he doesn't have any of the respect or accolades that come with the title. And Adam exactly. Driver has all of the respect despite not being the knight. And because who his friend is. Right, you know, Pierre. Who's your, who's your, who's your cousin? Right. Okay. And then the best part is, the best part is, um, after he has this whole exchange with Adam Driver, um, Pierre goes, goes to Matt Damon's character, his name is Jean, he goes, Okay, that's good. See you later, Jean. And everybody starts laughing. Just completely. And I would have missed it if it was not for the subtitles. The subtitles said, because you can't really hear uh, Matt, uh, ben, ben Affleck say it very clearly. Um, but it's great. It's really, 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 really great. And um, yeah, the, here's the thing. I What I find interesting about her perspective, it's the third one. And you know what they always say? They always say, you know, it, 
it's your story, my story, and then the truth. Her story isn't the truth. It's from her POV. But what's interesting is it's amazing how Matt Damon comes off in her POV because this whole time we're kind of on his side. And then you see how he reacts to her when she's been through this like horrible situation. And, you know, and so he's like, it's weird. He's like a man of honor, but he's also just like a dude of those times. And yeah. it all comes down to this duel. Um, and, and then what, how, how exactly uh, in general are most of these like historically, is that pretty much how all duels are supposed to go or well, they again, kind of evolve? It depends on the time. You yeah. know, and the kingdom, but generally they were all basic, you know, and it was, you know, two guys going to go out in combat. The rule was always, um, especially in England, that was very heavily, you know, ruled by Catholic Catholicism yeah. and whatnot, Christianity, mm-hmm. is that if you are right, you're going to win that duel because anybody false cannot win in the eyes of God. So, right. That was, see, that, that was, was fascinating. So that was a lot. I mean, that, and that was generally how it went. I mean, there are tweaks here and there, and I, you know, I don't know the whole like five or six hundred year gap, but generally, right. it, I mean, it was very simple. This is trial by combat between two people who have a disagreement. Right. And what's interesting here, as as you said, um, God will be on the side of the one who's truthful. And here's where everybody starts to get tripped up in their situation. Adam Driver. Could have could have the whole Adam Driver would have lived and would have done been fine if he had just done trial by clergy, which would have sort of taken him out of the secular courts and he wouldn't have had yeah. to deal with the dueling and stuff. However, Adam Driver knew he was lying. There's a whole scene between Pierre and Adam Driver where Adam Driver just categorically denies everything completely, and he says. Just deny, deny, deny. The people don't understand nuance in these matters. And because the public doesn't understand nuance, there's no point in explaining uh, the nuances that you've told me here. I understand, but not everybody's going to understand. So just don't tell anybody the truth. Um, so, But the thing is, Adam Driver, like Matt Damon, all these guys, they're still religious. Like after Adam Driver, you know, uh, forces, you know, forces himself on her and does what he does, he goes for absolution in the church, and he gets absolved of his sins, lickety-split. I mean, that's what would happen time and again. That was part of the pattern of, you know, these campaigns, kill lots of people, lots of bloodshed, go to the churches, get absolved, and have my, I can still get into heaven. My slate is wiped clean. But on in the court of public opinion, in the secular court, he's in trouble. It's not just between him and the clergy anymore. He doesn't want to go through the, 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 the court of the clergy because then he would be lying to God. And he is a man who believes in God and does not want to burn in hell. So he goes for the trial by combat. And that's ultimately his downfall because he die, he ends up losing and dying anyway. Um, but what's interesting is then the flip side of this is uh, medieval science. Uh, comes into play in the lot of the story. For instance, um, the understandings of me- the medieval common sense is not like today's common sense. Back then, they actually the, had common sense. Well, back no, back the, back then no, they didn't have common sense. Because back <laughs> then, they believed that if you exp- that the only way to conceive a child is by um, is by uh, uh, being having pleasure. If you have pleasure during conception, then your child will be born. You can't give birth to a child if you don't experience pleasure. That's what they believe. And Matt Damon has been, uh, uh, what's his face? John has been married to Marguerite for five years. And every night they're, you know, he's throwing logs down the hallway. You know what I mean? Just 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 lay in pipe and nothing's happening. She's not getting pregnant. He's desperate to get some heirs because the, there was a plague and he lost his, his wife and his son died in the plague. That's what would happen back in the day. You might be the Lord of some situation, 
boom, sickness wipes out your family. And suddenly you got to pass, you got to get a new heir or you're, what are you going to do? Um, so there's a lot of pressure on her. And, you know, again, there's the whole thing with the dowry, the, this yeah. idea of dairies. I mean, marriages were business transactions. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Because, you know, they would use they would use marriages to sure up land, sure up um, yeah. titles. Alliances. Yeah, bring new alliances together. Yeah. Oh, you're going to marry so-and-so because guess what? We'll be okay now and we need them. Or we feel right. that we need them. You know, right. All all kinds of things. Yeah. And yeah. I think that I think that Adam's character isn't McGrath. Um yeah. I think part of his problem I yes, there is lying in the eye of God, but also I think that there was a certain sense of cockiness to him because he got everything he ever wanted. He always like I always win. I, I agree. I agree. Fully agree. Big because I always win against this guy. It's hubris. He's my friend, but yeah. fuck him. You're so right. And it's hubris, too. Pure hubris. And he thought he was going to get away with it. And oh, and here's another interesting notion, uh, or another interesting thing about their marriage and the and the the, the dowry and the this business transaction, which which involves a piece of land that's given to, to Adam Driver. The right. father of Marguerite had done had allied himself with the British, the sworn enemy mm-hmm. and the French at the time. So he and was a traitor. He was a traitor and he was not in favor with anybody, despite being rich. And so Matt Damon has the perfect, like his name was Sir Robert uh De Thro- I can't pronounce his last name. Sir Robert. Him and Sir Robert have like um st- things that each other need. He wants the dowry and the wife and Sir Robert wants an heir with the respectability of Matt Damon's house, which is probably the single most valuable thing. And so together they basically are brokering this deal. And he says in the deal, he's like in the dowry, I need this piece of land, this estate. I want the estate. But what he doesn't realize, and again, we find out through different people's perspectives, like what, like why the estate is not in, um, in the dowry. Um, he basically gives it away to Matt Damon, despite having already given it to Pierre, and he doesn't know how to tell Matt Damon about it. So it's like already, it's really his it kind to, of fault. Already gave it to Driver. Yeah, <laughs> just like Matt Damon. And I'll tell you something else too. I mean, Matt Damon. Matt Damon, uh, uh, you know, is kind of like a pretty boy in in in, in the in the film. Like he, he's manicured and you know looks like elegant and yada yada yada. What I really liked about casting Adam Driver and Matt Damon is, first off, they made up Matt Damon. Matt Damon just looks like he's got a mug, you know. He just looks like a like like a soldier. He looks like a guy. He's got the battle scars. It just looked like, and you know, Adam Driver just looks like some awkward, like gangly, weird kind of like lord that you would totally imagine in a painting from the 1300s. The casting yeah. was astounding in that regard. It, it just really felt like, like, like people back then. Not everybody was a Hollywood star with perfect teeth. You know what I mean? So, like, it was really nice to see characters that really felt like a part of that time. Um, so that was nice as well. And so, like, really got really, really, you get a sense of distance too in so many medieval films. It's like, oh, we're just going to travel here to there. And like we cut and now we're over there. Like there's a lot of talk of, oh, Paris is a week away. I'll be gone for a week because that's how long it takes to get to Paris. Oh, I got to head over here. I'll be I got errands to do. I'll be back by nightfall. Like instead of like being like, oh, I'll be gone for an hour. I'm taking the car to go to the the, the food emporium, to pick up some groceries. It's like if you want to get some errands done back in the day, it would take you 12 hours and you'd be back by yeah. nightfall. You know, it was like, an all day thing. Right, it was an all-day thing. So, like, you really get, really, really feel the 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 period. And there's this one scene, and it's obviously supposed to be a metaphor for like Matt Damon, I guess, a little bit. Matt Damon's character, where he has this mare, this horse. It's descended from all these war horses, and it's going to make them so much money, you know. Um, and he only wants to breed this horse with like other like 
like horses. And then out of nowhere, this like black stallion horse with the raging boner. I mean, just a big throbbing erect horse cock just fucking burst into the gate. Like just totally just, just completely aroused and mounts the mare. And Matt Damon just goes, no, he like gets so mad. He takes this paddle. He starts beating the shit out of the black stallion. He's like, she's not for you. I was like, and I'm just going like, is this like a metaphor for like him and like her? And like, I don't know. You know what really it is? Well, when you could look at it that way, because you have yeah. the black stallion and the Adam driver is sort of like, dark and all black, you know so yeah, yeah, yeah. but yeah, also exactly, it's just exactly. it's one more thing in his life that has gone wrong yeah everything for sure. he for sure. tries to do turns to shit yes yes um to go it's to, very sad it is very sad. sad um to root back around to what we were talking about being in the courtroom and the body and the their understanding of biology so here's like this big thing that happens in the court we talked about how why Adam Driver might be, in addition to the hubris, I do agree with Chris, there's that element too, but in addition to not avoiding the clergy and going that route, you also have Marguerite. She is clearly lying on the stand as well. And what she's lying about is, and this is, this is like, I mean, this is like, this is really heavy shit. And it's like the crux of everything. You know, you get the sense at least in Adam Driver's version of the story, in Marguerite's version of the story, the rape is the most violent of all. But in Adam Driver's one, from his perspective, it's more playful. And she seems to, she protests, but at the same time seems to enjoy herself. Or not enjoy herself, that's not the right word. I'm trying. Her body is reacting to the, what happens during Intercourse, I guess. Whether well, when the nerves are stimulated, the body's going to do what the body's going to do. Yeah, I don't. I really don't know how to talk about this stuff. All I'm going to say is her reaction. Her reaction seems more not as dire as it does in her version of the story. And when she's up on the stand, this becomes a big point of contention because what we learn, what is ultimately revealed to us, because they keep revealing little bits when they change the perspective which again, just brilliant editing, brilliant uh, screenwriting and brilliant directing. We then learn that she's been pregnant for six months. And the thing is, it's the other thing too, which is just totally like, again, here's why, here's what's so upsetting. This is why Matt Damon is a giant piece of shit because his wife is like, hey, I was raped and I went through this like really traumatic shit. And then Matt Damon's like, all right, get undressed, get in bed. Um, uh, Adam Driver's character is not going to be the last one to know you. So he, in an effort to, he he basically has sex with his wife after she's been raped. Which is just like, so crazy to do. Like, uh, un- like just like, again, like this is like the mentality of these 13th century guys. And right. that's what's most important to him. Not that his wife was just friggin' raped. It's not about her. It's, she is his property. You know what I mean? Like he treats her like a piece of property. She is, he, if anything, it's like he's trying to cover up his territory. So now there's a baby. And here's what I was trying to, I was kind of confused by. Whose baby do you think it is? It's his. I think it's his. Judging from the hair color. Remember, it's as simple as, it's as simple as film language. Right. I see what so, you said. Yes. If it's blonde, it's going to probably be. It's going to be baby. his. Yeah. So, and I think that was. I, it might be down for the simple, here's a little absolution for this character that you've watched for two and a half hours. At Good least point. It's not, Good you know, point. It gives you something. If you're on his side in any way, shape, or form, it gives you something to walk away with. Well, at least that. <laughs> Rather than him getting kicked in the nuts even in death. Um, you know? Question. Um, what I keep They kept talking about this, and, and Minister of Darkness is bringing this up right now. The, what is this term, the big death? Is that just mean an orgasm? Like, I don't know what I, they kept saying that in, in the movie, the big death that, that came up a few times. I, I guess that means an orgasm. 
that's what I would assume because there's, I mean, it's it's as old as you can imagine that sex is is sort of birth and death. I'm looking it up right now. What is the big death? Um, from the back cover, the big death is what? No, that's not it. Uh, it does. <laughs> That, that it's I mean, all all that came up was stuff about Biggie Smalls. That is really weird. Oh, what is the B.I.G. death? That's why it came up. What is the uh-huh. big death uh, saying? Let's see who's saying. Um, I no, it doesn't. All right, I'm not going to deal with that. In any case, um, hey, what's up, Walter White? Welcome, welcome to the show. The point is, yeah, he gives her. Uh, uh, as minister is saying that that he gave her the big death and the the logic of this these times i'm not saying that this is the logic i'm saying that this is what the medieval people think in this movie if you have an orgasm therefore you could not have been raped and must have enjoyed it because it led to the production of a child and so she's up on the stand and she is driven her whole her entire arc She's driven by the truth, no matter what the cost. In this world that is controlled by men, where she is a woman and is property, she is motivated by the truth at any cost, even even if 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 that means death. And she later confronts Matt Damon's character because she's like, "You, I didn't know." Because what they do is the clergy is like, "Do you know what happens if you accuse someone of rape and you're wrong?" If we find if he loses the 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 duel, because ultimately, what whoever loses the duel is is guilty, and whoever wins is innocent, because God will ultimately have the side of whoever is just and true. That's what they believe. And she, hold on, Chris, before you say what you're going to say, what she finds out is that she will have all of her she'll she'll have her clothes torn off. Her hair will be shorn and she'll be beaten endlessly and then she will be burned alive at the stake. But, and then they give this one last thing because they ask her a question. They say, you do realize what will happen to you if you're lying to us. And they say, by the way, just so you know, it can take upwards of 20 to 30 minutes before you perish from burning, from being burnt alive. And even knowing all of that, Despite being pregnant, with tears welling up in her eyes, she says, she says, no, I, this is, this happened. But the one thing that she seems, and again, they don't tell us, they don't give this to us at all. They, it's for us to determine. It absolutely seems that she did have some sort of orgasm and she is lying to them about the orgasm that she had because of what that would mean in their eyes. So, I'm sorry, Chris. Here's, what were you going to say? No, it's okay. Um, just that. Here's the thing. Um, because we keep talking about his version, her version, and whatnot. I think it's very telling that her version is called the truth, according to Marguerite. Because again, it's her version of the truth, which right. again to me says, you know. She may be not lying, but there's her, her perspective as well, and that's how she sees it. That's how she sees what happened when you know what Matt said to her after the rape, and so on and so forth. So in the end, we still need to find our own way to. Well, let how, me ask you this question: How much this? How much is that? Huh? Um, do you? I personally, when I was watching the movie, I personally believe that her point of view is the truth in the situation. That's just me. I, I, after watching and what really solidified it for me was the way that Matt Damon treats her. We see how Matt Damon treats her in the first two versions. And then we see how Matt Damon treats her in the third one. And that to me, like for instance, Adam Driver's um, POV of Matt Damon at the beginning. Remember the very beginning of the scene where Adam Driver's like, don't do it. It's a trap because if they do it, uh, we, we're supposed to hold this for Pierre so we don't lose the city. They're just trying to goad you. And Matt Damon's like, to hell with the orders and rushes in. In the very first one, it's like from Matt Damon's point of view, and he's just purely heroic. In Adam Driver's one, we see how much of a bumbling idiot he leads the charge and ends up getting all these people killed, like fucks everything up. And then in her, you know what I'm saying? So it feels like in each version, we're getting a little bit closer 
to the reality. So the fact that hers is third is what really, and, and seeing how Matt Damon reacts to her telling that stuff, that to right. me felt like the most accurate. But I'm curious to know, what do you, what do you think happened personally? I think what? that her version of the truth is obviously the closest version of the truth. Gotcha. But it's, yeah. it's yeah. still tainted by perspective. Perspective. Perspective will always well, taint the, the, the facts no matter exactly. what. Exactly. Yeah. Because look at it from her point of view. As a woman, you are totally reliant on your husband in that era. Right. It could mean death. He it could gives mean death. Yeah. her nothing. It's like, Oh, we're gonna do this. Oh, that fucked up. Oh, we're gonna do that. That fucked up. Oh, we're okay. We're not doing that either. <laughs> it's it's constant, constant lack of security and being let down by this person that you are, for lack of a better way of putting it, stuck with. That is going to taint everything. And this, which is a big emotional event, you know, I mean, this, yeah, it it's a big deal for everybody involved. So there's a lot of emotions going on. There's a lot of anger flying. There's a lot of things going on. So do I think that her vision of him is pure? Absolutely not, because it wouldn't be. Again, does it make her wrong and does it make her a liar? Right. But there's a slant. (laughs) Uh, And that's all I'm saying. Let me ask you this. Uh, what, what did you think of the, the character? He's in a Netflix series called, I forget what it's called, but he, English actor. He's also in Black Mirror. Um, he plays the king. Yeah. And he's a very interesting sort of character actor. His name's Alex Lothar as King Charles VI. I see it right here on um, IMDb. Uh, what did you think of his uh, performance or his character in the, he was a very interesting king. He was sort of Every- like uh, weird. You gotta understand. It's he was sort of eccentric. He was different, but yeah. I think he was different because we're used to seeing. We have an idea of how a king acts, and it's just because right. it's informed by so many other movies that we've seen, rather than treating them as human beings. You know what I mean? Right, right, like right. right. If you watch the Tudors, Henry is not a kingly king. You know, I've never, I have never seen the Tudors and always wanted to. I need to do it. It it was pretty awesome. Yeah, I gotta, I gotta check. Jonathan Reese Myers is great, but he's very much a oh, he's in Vikings too. What is he? Have you you seen Vikings? Nope, dude, that would be your favorite show. I used to look at it as like it's Sons of Anarchy, but with Vikings. It, um, it, it kind, dude. It kind of is like Sons of Anarchy with I Vikings. I Yo, wanted to, but I did. Really I got should. like two episodes in, and then it just didn't happen. What I want to do now is just buy all the Blu-rays and then just and just watch it. I, really I will do. watch it straight through. You but, are going to love it. Love it. It's gonna be your favorite show. I just, I just need to do that. But dude, you, you know, will love it so I'm much. All or nothing guy. Um, but yeah, I'm into it. I'll do that, and then I'll watch the Norsemen. And uh, you know, I tried. I could not. I could not get into the Norsemen. I tried. No, no, the not... the new one coming out, the Norsemen, whatever. Oh, the oh, oh, one, yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, can't wait for Which that. Which Norsemen are you talking about? The old one, like the there's, 70s there's a one Netflix, or early no, 80s? no. There's a there's a Netflix show. Oh, that one. one. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. The Northman no. by Robert Eggers looks yeah. so fucking good. I cannot wait I'm for in. that. Yeah, I'm sold. In. Did you I see mean, the Green Knight? You saw the Green Knight? I hated it. Yeah, I haven't I seen it. it. I have not seen it yet. I'm excited. Well, see, to see when it. you see it, we'll, we can talk about it. I. And yeah, I know I'm the only person within film people, you know, because all my film people are just like, oh, my God. And that's yeah. part of, maybe part of the reason why I went in and I was like, what the fuck movie did you guys see? Because this is not oh, what oh, I'm So you through. thought, so everybody was like, oh, it's so great. And then you went they in and you're like, loved, oh, fuck? my God. They were singing its praises. And I was just like, this was the worst waste of three hours of my oh, fucking man. life. I could have watched the Passion of the Christ if I watched to waste three hours. Let's before yeah. before we wrap up, we're we're Watch wrapping it. up here, guys. We're, we're yeah. keeping it early tonight. <laughs> but um, uh, two things I want to talk about. One, the, mm-hmm. let's talk about the ending for a minute. It is brutal. Yeah. I was I don't know about you. I had no idea who the fuck was going to win. Like I was literally. It could have gone either way. I, I I like a part of me was like, meh. I think Matt Damon's going. to. 
the wind, but I had really had no idea. And, and so that's the beauty of it. Yeah, it was so exciting to watch because I had no idea. So that that was great. Um, and then I have IMDB here open the trivia. Okay. And I just want to read a couple of facts from the trivia because I feel like it will fill in our conversation here. It's kind of interesting. Matt Damon struggled to grow facial hair. So the makeup department had to try out 20 different beards to apply to his face. And he reportedly got a skin rash underneath the stuck on beard. Oh, um, they, okay. This is interesting. Matt Damon said that he and Ben Affleck brought on Nicole Hoff Hoff to help them write the female perspectives of the screenplay. So they wrote the screenplay but when it came to Marguerite and stuff, they had um, they had uh, a female screenwriter come in and do that stuff. This was interesting, and I noticed this at the wedding. The clergy kiss each other, and then one kisses Cara- Cara- uh, Matt Damon's character, and then he kisses his bride. This was a real practice in medieval nuptial solemn mass. The kiss of peace was given by the priest celebrant to the deacon, who in turn gives it to the subdeacon, who in turn gives the kiss. To any other clergy present in the choir dress, and then it is again given to the groom, who then gives the kiss of peace to his bride. The kiss of peace was also given to royalty if present at the mass. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, Scalf, no, that's not interesting. The film gets its title from the fact, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, originally, the writers of the project, Matt Damon and Ben Affleck, were to play the two leading roles of the film. However, Adam Driver was cast in taking over the lead role from Affleck who stepped aside into a supporting role instead. The reason for the change was to avoid a scheduling conflict. So actually, Affleck would have played Adam Driver's role. I'm glad he did. I, I liked Affleck where he was compared to where I, Adam Driver needed to be in that role. Not if, if Affleck was in that role, it would have taken me out of the movie. He just would have been too good looking for that role. We needed, as I said, we needed an Adam Driver sort of face in that. Yeah. In that also- um we also don't know what he would have looked like. True. Fair, I mean, they could have they could have mugged him up a little choices. bit. I mean, look at again, look at Matt. I mean, Matt looks he looks rugged, dude. He looks like he's been in some bar fights. You know, he does. Yeah, not but Matt look. Damon. I wouldn't call Matt Damon is not really a leading look kind of guy to begin with. Even though he's a leading man, he's more like he's kind of like Nicolas Cage in that way. Nicolas Cage does not have traditional leading man looks. He's more, sure. you know, he's got a very interesting everyman face. And Matt Damon has that everyman face too. I mean, Ben Affleck, like Armageddon, Ben Affleck is like, you know, like he's like a hunk dude. Like you can't, you can't deny it. So it's like, I, I just feel like he's too hunky for that kind of role. Like he needs to be great no, for fair. Bruce Wayne, Batman, great for Bruce Wayne, Batman, but, but not, you know, not for a squire. No, right. I, 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 I absolutely see what you're saying. Damon um, had no problem with the mullet. Yeah, the mullet was a great touch. I didn't know that they had mullets like that. Um, Pierre was one of the wealthiest barons in France, which at the time was mostly a collection of feudal kingdoms. He was the cousin of the king, Charles VI, and had a close royal connections. In 1363, Count Pierre was one of the hostages sent to... Okay, so he was... He had to do with some English stuff. I'm not going to get read the rest of that. Um, blah, 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 blah. Well, no, don't need to read that. Don't need to read that. In reality, during the duel, both of the opponent's faces would not be seen as they would have been fully helmeted. Instead, they opted to have the actor's faces visible as Matt Damon and Adam Driver wanted to do as many of the stunts possible as themselves. Um, I really, I thought those helmets were like, like, uh, what's, whatchamacallit, um, like dueling helmets. It seemed like a very period accurate thing, but I guess that was, uh, actually a Hollywood, um, whatever you want to call it. Oh, here you it is. Never, huh. Sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, what are you going to say? I was going to say you would never have that because it's an exposed area. And I mean, it was creative license, but. Okay. Know. The little death is mentioned several times in the movie. Le petite Le petit- mort. You said the big death. All right, you go ahead. You explain I, it. Do you want to explain no, it? No, I was just going to say, well, you can explain it. I'm just saying, I know what Le Petit Mort is, but you said the oh. big death, which is a complete, that's different. My that's bad. the opposite. Because it's Minister of Darkness's fault, because he called it the big death in the comments. So uh, the little death the is little mentioned. Death. Yeah, the little death is mentioned several times in this movie. Le Petit Mort is an expression which means the brief loss 
or weakening of consciousness and modernly is used of the sensation of post-orgasm as likened to death. I know exactly what they are talking about. I know that feeling. And it's a great feeling. And now I understand why it's called See, death. You've heard that phrase before. You've had to never, heard it over the never, years. Never, really? never. But now, I will tell you. Watch. Now that you know it, yeah, you're going to watch some old movies. Yeah. Everywhere. And I'll tell you something else, too. Um it, it, I understand it, it is it is appropriately titled the little death because w- when you're post coitus in not to get too personal and crazy here, but you know I, I know that feeling of being post coitus and just being so like at peace in the world or whatever that like if if someone were to strike me down in that moment that it would be okay like because you're just at complete peace like a little death I get it I totally totally get it. Um, interesting. Uh, Ridley Scott's first feature film was also called uh, about a duel, and it's called The Duelist. So this is really yeah. a full circle for a, a, a man who's pushing ninety, who started his career um, just shy of forty years, just just shy of turning forty. He started making movies. Isn't that amazing, folks? To think about um, that he was he's he's uh, eighty four years old, I guess, and it's first of two films that he made. He has shown no signs of slowing down. This dude makes more films the older he gets. And God bless him, mate. He keep making movies. I hope he turns into a, a, a Clint Eastwood who's still directing films. Right. And, um, and punch you people out at fucking 90-something years old. Yeah, and you yeah, buy yeah. it. You're like, yes. yeah, okay. <laughs> yes. Um, hey, um, last thing before we close out, as far yes. as Squires are concerned, just Royal Esquires. Yeah, which are the people we're looking at? People similar in age to the oh. monarchs, and then, um, and that was English. Oh. That was English, and then regular squires, which were people studying, to, you know, to be knights that were knights attendants. Like I told you, thank you. you. I'm Peace. really glad. I was that was bothering me so much, and I'm so glad. That you it's, it's solve the yeah it's all it's a it's a just it's all in a little adding to the word and geographically yeah so there you go yeah. uh I this was a great episode to sort of come back guys we're gonna try and be at this slot uh, every Thursday um, Chris's channel is in flux right now it and and you know you can. Tweet at tweet at uh, YouTube and let them know that you want the channel to come back that you missed the channel uh, petition. Please, you know, um, and we'll just we'll be here doing our doing our show. It's great to have Chris back here and doing doing the show and stuff. So keep yeah, your we, eyes we, peeled. We apologize for the break. The holidays got the way and it's got a little bit crazy and all that fun stuff. But we're back. Yeah, so we will see you next Thursday and. Absolutely. Go oh ahead, yeah! Check this out, Jeff. All right, check it out. Wait, wait, wait. We have a new, Uh-oh. we have a new addition to the to the to the goodbye. It's the same goodbye. Okay. It's the same goodbye, but we, instead of going, I was going peace and hair grease, but I re, I'm such an idiot. I didn't even think about it. Ready? You go peace and hair grease. Duh, duh. It's not you know, peace. I, and you know hair I have no. You know I have no hair, right? Just. Uh, so what? I listen. I'm losing my hair, man. It's freaking. It's freaking. <laughs> I just do the stripe of voice. In any case, we say peace and peace. hair grease. Hair grease. Yeah, baby. All right. We'll see you next time, guys. I'm ending the stream. Bye-bye. Bye bye. Bye.